Welcome to Unity Talks, where the hiring experts of Dallas-based recruiting firm Unity Search engage in lively discussion with successful business leaders to dissect their careers and how they got to where they are today, the obstacles overcome to reach their success, and steps they've taken to stay at the top of their respective fields. So listen in as we provide you with the thought-provoking conversation and ideas that keep industries moving forward. Welcome once again to the first episode of the Unity Talks podcast in 2023. It's our first episode, and you guys know how we do it here. I'm your host, David Cathy. I'm one of the partners at Unity Search, and this is what we do, right? We interview finance, accounting, tax. We've even snuck in an HR person, and this year we're going to add in some IT executives all across DFW, and our purpose is to find out how they got to where they are in their career, what keeps them at the top of their game, and any advice that they can pass down to a younger generation. And so today, our guest is going to be a little bit different. Now, I'm going to give you a short story on our guest right here, a little bit about what he does, okay? So he is a very talented, I guess he has many different jobs. So a few of his jobs real quick. He is a professional coach to other executives. He is a keynote speaker. He is a podcast host. He, let's see, is an author. And he used to sell gear and t-shirts out of the trunk of his car. It's now turned into an e-commerce online retail store. Matter of fact, I'm wearing one of his shirts right now, Effort Squared. And um, yeah, and we're super excited. It's a treat to start off the year with Jake Thompson as our guest. Jake, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's funny, if you look, not even a mile over there is where I literally started the company. Like right across 635 at, at the CrossFit, CrossFit Strong that used to CrossFit be over there. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. I don't know where they went. Uh, they went two miles north. They bought a Ninja Warrior kid spot. Okay. And so they're in there now. Okay. I haven't been in years because I moved up north and yeah. the tollway is not fun to drive. I've been out. there. I've been to CrossFit Strong a yeah. couple of times, way back in the day, way back. right at that old facility. Yep. Yeah, so that's how I knew Jake to begin with, was back when you were selling t-shirts out of a car. Yep. And a lot has progressed since then in your career and in my career. And I want to dive into that a little yep. bit. So I, we know I just gave you a very rough intro, like we both know that. So I'd love for you to start off by just kind of tell us the origin story of Compete Every Day, because that's your company, Compete yep. Every Day, says it right there on the shirt. So why compete every day? Like what, what, why that name? Oh man, how long we got? Uh, so I grew up two hours east of here outside of Tyler, East Texas. And I thought I was going to be the next Jerry Maguire. Like I wanted to be sports agent, Cuba Gooding Jr. Show me the money. And actually went to grad school at the university of Dallas and Irving to get my master's in sports and entertainment business. Cause it was the only school at the time that had a sports MBA program. The NFL had just changed their rules to require it. So I spent, Grad school, interning, working at an agency, and after two years of it, I was like, this is not what I want to do. For me, it was like seeing how the hot dog at the ballpark is made. You'll never probably eat another hot dog if you see how it's made. Yeah. So that was me with like the game I loved. So I finished like two weeks left in grad school. I'm going to finish out, graduate, but I tell the agency like I'm done. Like I don't want to do this. And it was the recession. I couldn't get a job. I had an MBA in sports business. I had non-traditional work experience at the agency with the Cowboys, with the Arena League team. And so I was just like, what am I gonna do? Best Buy wouldn't even hire me for like holiday hours. So I reached out to like everyone in my network and was like, listen, 
Here's what I think I'm good at. Here's where I think I can help your company. Give me a shot, give me a project. Let me do something. I'm trying to start a consulting practice. And so one project led into another to where I built a pretty good consulting practice working with minor league sports teams, technology companies, um, a large telecommunications group. And I built it for a couple years. I was living in Addison, but I was incredibly unfulfilled with the work. Mm. Like I was good at it, but I didn't love it. I didn't love what I was doing. And I realized like, Every time, like that contract could be my last contract and I have no income coming in. And so I need to do something that creates a little bit more sustainability for me. But I didn't know what it was. And so I kept toying with this idea of like starting my own company, but I didn't know really what I wanted outside of consulting. And we were CrossFitting. So I started CrossFitting at this gym back in 2010. And I immediately, like most people, sipped the Kool-Aid and was all in. But I love the idea from my background in sports, being an ultra competitive person, this idea of pushing yourself every day against the clock. Like it was me and the clock or me and my last score and how was I gonna get better at it? And I sucked at a lot of moves. And so, you know, anytime you kind of suck at something, it's either A, I don't wanna go near it, or B, how do I get better at it? And so I really started to embrace that. And at the same time, I was toying with this idea of what I wanna start for a business. And I was on a ski trip with two buddies to Colorado and I'm, it's like 11 o'clock at night, we're driving through middle of nowhere. I'm like, what do you guys think about compete every day? Like, I don't know what I want to do with it, but this idea of what if you woke up every day and competed against yourself, what would your life look like? And both guys were like, that's you. Like, we don't know what you do with it, but like that fits you. And so I was like, okay, let's try it. So I spent eight months trying projects that just didn't work. I was like, do I want to do a youth sports camp? Do I want to do a media company? Like all of these different things. And eventually my best friend was my roommate at the time, said, look at the company Life is Good out of Boston. So they have a simple slogan. Their mascot is a stick figure guy, ironically named Jake. They do about $120 million a year. And it's these two brothers who started selling t-shirts out of a van. So why not? And so we had set aside money to go to New Zealand on a guy's trip. And it was a Tuesday, I'll never forget it. The startup I was working for, my largest client went out of business. The next day my roommate got laid off. And so I was like, crap, we're gonna go to New Zealand now? And he's like, no, I spent my money on an engagement ring. So I'm gonna propose to Kristen. And I'm like, okay, well, I don't wanna go solo. Me being a kid who's never traveled internationally, I'm from a small town in Texas. All I think about is like hostile and taken. So me going by myself, internet wasn't gonna happen at that point. And so I was like, why not try t-shirts? And so I put the money into two boxes of shirts and tanks and they had like a CED compete every day on it. Started selling them out of the trunk of my car behind CrossFit Strong. And just little by little started testing it and figuring out, does this message resonate? And kind of started from there. And so that, that was really the, the culmination. But looking back now, I can tell you there, there's a little bit different piece of it that really it wasn't until about two years I talked about that I didn't start connecting the dots. I had an opportunity to go to college to play football. Mm -hmm. Got hurt the summer before I got there, tore my shoulder up. So fall semester, I was just a student. Spring semester, like two weeks in, I go back into the football offices getting ready to go. And so it was, I went to TCU. I was a half academic, half athletic scholarship player. And so I'm kind of more of a preferred walk-on than I am an athletic scholarship full ride guy. And so I was stuck working out by myself for like two weeks and I hated it. And it was like first day of a new job, freshman in the varsity locker room. It's that imposter syndrome you were joking oh, about yeah. as we walked in. That's me. Where you just are like, I don't belong here. And I was young enough at the time and immature enough to think that this pit in my stomach was 
something a sign. Everybody's like, listen to your gut. And I was like, oh, this, my gut's telling me something's wrong. And, and I was nervous and I was afraid. And, and more than anything, going through it by myself, I had nobody to talk to. I was terrified of sucking at the one thing I loved. And I remember a Friday afternoon finishing a workout. And I remember going into the varsity, uh, going into the locker room. There was no varsity locker room. There was just the locker room. And I remember seeing my reflection that day. And I remember hating that feeling in my stomach. But more than anything, I remember hating myself because I was terrified of failing at something I loved, something I wanted. And I was so afraid of finding out I wasn't good enough at the one thing I wanted that I quit. And I mm. turned in my stuff and I walked away. And I carried that regret for a decade. Didn't talk about it, covered it up. Um, like I said, it wasn't until December of 21 I ever even told that story. And what I realized, though, is looking back when I finally started talking about it, I took the title Chief Encouragement Officer at Compete Every Day, CEO. Because what's encouragement but simply inspiring courage? And what's courage? It's taking a step while you're scared. It, it's not being fearless. It's moving while you're afraid. And so from the first day I started it, what I realized is the only way we overcome fear is with action. And the only way we can take action is just choosing courage and this idea of showing up every day and saying, I don't know how much more I've got in the tank. I don't know what I can do, but I can be better than I was yesterday if I do this. And so that's kind of where that message came from. And so now it's really, I tell everybody, it's just the mindset that is the only, that's going to be the only thing that helps you reach your full potential. If you embrace the mentality, every day I'm going to wake up and compete with myself, I'm going to figure out what I'm fully capable of instead of getting to the end and saying, what if I tried? Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, I told you it's one of our core values. Mm -hmm. So we have five core values. Yeah. One of them is compete every day. And that's kind of like, you know, our core values come in the shape of a pyramid. Yep. Compete every day is the longest one. So it's at the base of the pyramid. It sets the foundation yep. of all the other core values that we have. But it's so hard because when we're, whether we're talking about you trying to find the angle of your career mm -hmm. and what you want to do and what led you down this path, or you're a recruiting firm, which is what Unity Search is, or you're our target audience, right? Finance, yep. accounting, tax, information technology people. People who are growing in their career, these climbers, they have to learn to compete every day. But now more than ever, I feel like we get in this comfort zone, right? Under this nice warm blanket. And we don't want to do the challenging things that are going to get us the next sale, the next deal, or that next promotion, and so what is your self? You've obviously battled yeah. it. We all do, whether yeah. we want to admit it or not, we battle it. What was your internal self-talk? Like, how do you get yourself out of that comfort zone to make that next call to that next executive? Yeah, so there, there's a couple of things. I try to eliminate thinking about it as much as possible. Like, I block my calendar for activities. I set aside time. I, I do like start. So perfect example, James Clear talks about in the book Atomic Habits of a two minute timer. Like when you're stuck, when you're procrastinating, when you feel that resistance, as Stephen Pressfield calls it, from making that call, Clear's like set a timer for two minutes and just do the activity for two minutes. Because you can stop, but if you get started, it changes that whole dynamic. So that's a big piece of it is just setting a short timer saying, I can, I can pick up the phone. And once you pick up the phone, well, the phone's already in my hand, I might as well make a call or dial a number, and then you just start that process. It's that first, first thought. The second thing is from a self-talk standpoint, I'm very intentional with how I talk to myself um, and how I encourage others to talk to themselves because the more, more than anybody else, we talk to ourselves. 
and the words we use we don't often think about. Uh, and the, the, really the words have an influence on how we show up. So I'm very adamant about I'm a person who takes action without being motivated. I can put forth great effort even if I don't want to be here. I, I tell myself these things as reminders. This is who I am, and I need to take action to follow through with it is a big, big piece of it. The other thing is to understand you don't have to be perfect. Like that, that complacency is a huge part of our life because we're more comfortable than we will ever be. Like our lives today, if anybody in here watches Yellowstone, if you've seen 1883 <laughs> or 1923, you watch those and think, and it was brutal and it was and and that's hollywood eyes but it was brutal life back then and then we look at what we have to deal with today and it's like oh maybe i'll get stuck in traffic on yeah. the tollway like it's it's no big deal but so like we complacency is going to call us comfort's going to call us our brain hates discomfort but we have to understand at the end of life which is sometimes hard for us to look at or the end of a career or the end of a week it's never the uh, i'm glad i skipped that workout I'm glad I didn't make that call. I'm glad I, it, it's never those things that we go back to and feel good about. Those are the things we regret. Daniel Pink talks about it in the book, uh, The Power of Regret. He says, we regret uh, inaction more than failure. As we get older in life, it's the calls we don't make, the moves we don't make, the trips we don't take, the things we don't say to people that we regret more than I tried something and failed. And so I am constantly reminding myself of every single day, I will never regret failing, that I'll always go back and wish I'd taken a shot. And so that's a big piece of it. Um, what I love you talked about in, in your pillar is this competition piece and how it's crucial because competition's in our DNA. Yeah. Old, ancient times, we were competing for shelter, for food. We had our tribe and we were competing with other tribes for territory. Like it's ingrained in us. And, and even now, everybody still competes. The problem most of us have is we're competing with other people constantly in an, in an idea that I have to beat someone else. And research on happiness shows this is fascinating. I actually just heard it in the book, Thinking in Bets. But if you were to offer somebody $70,000 in uh, 1910 or $100,000 today, almost everyone takes $70,000 in 1910 because if you have a $70,000 annual salary in 1910, the average annual salary is $450 then. So you're 70,000, everybody's 450. So you can live the life you want. Yeah. You're better than ever. But today, 100,000, it's comfortable, yeah. but you're still working. And so what that tells us is we as a society only want to compete to compare ourselves with everybody else. Our happiness is derived in being just better than those people around us, those people we see on social media. As long as we're better than them, we're we quote unquote happy. But when you live in that mindset, you're never happy someone's always ahead of you someone's always behind you you always feel like you're never enough but if you're competing with yourself if you're saying you know what? yesterday i made four calls can i make five today can you push yourself you give yourself not only a target but at the end of the day you say hey did i hit my five yes maybe tomorrow i've got six maybe i can hit five and be more successful on them tomorrow or man i didn't what's my motivation you stop looking outside for happiness and fulfillment you start looking internally yeah, I love that. I love. By the way, I'm glad we didn't lose our audience because you mentioned Yellowstone, and I feel like I'm the only person that's not seen any Yellowstone. Oh my all. gosh, we could do a whole I podcast know, on I that. I know. I know. Now I've just lost you. I'm like, I, like, no, I got to no, reel you back I'm in. I'm back in. in I'm back in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. I appreciate it. No, you know, it. John Gordon mm -hmm. says, you know, don't listen to yourself, but talk to yourself. 100%. And he's like, continually talk to yourself to push you over that edge of where the resistance comes from. 
And so one of the things that I, I think about when we talk to executives at companies and we're trying to identify people that fit those companies, you know, they are the leaders and we're really trying to find those up and comers, those climbers who are, who are after that next rung on the ladder for them, the proverbial corporate ladder. Um, those executives got there by competing with themselves in a large part. So what, what is the advice that we would give to people who are trying to climb that ladder? And, and here's where I, I actually want you to go with it. Um, James Clear, you mentioned mm -hmm. it, 1% better every single yeah. day. So how do you get in the habit? Like this is a habit, right? We have to build these foundational habits in us. So how do you get in the habit of just trying to be that 1% better? Yeah, it's all about your focus. We live in a world where everybody's in a rush. We're in such a rush. We start a brand new job, we start our career, and we immediately want a corner office. I know it. I had the same feeling when I was that age, when I was 22, 23, and I was like, why aren't, why aren't, I'm good enough to do that. And in our head we are, because we don't know what we don't know. But what I found is now the lifestyle I have and the mentality I have is being as great as I possibly can at the long game. And the way we do that is shifting our targets off of we know where we want to go. Like we know this is the position I want to be in my career. This is the financial level I want to get this. But what is one thing I can do today to step forward? Uh, in my book, we had that competitor scorecard that was designed to kind of do that. It was pulling from a few areas to say, if you took 120 days, four months, and went all in on six basic habits, what would it look like? Not once a day, but every single day, or sorry, not once a week, but every single day consistently, it would stack. Problem is we're, we're so focused on the gap between where we are and where we're trying to go, and we're trying to jump it in one big jump, and you can't do it. The idea of, hey, I wanna lose 50 pounds, that can be a struggle. So the question is not what does the scale look like today, the question is how much water did you drink and did you move for 20 minutes and what'd you eat? Like, focus on what goes in and how you move, and that's it. Don't look at a scale, don't, pay attention to anything else because you're going to start to notice your clothes start to fit differently. You'll start to notice little pieces of the process playing out, that outcome changing. But everybody's so obsessed with like that one thing. It's how many episodes is this on the podcast? 30. 30. Okay. So most people launch a podcast. They don't even do five. Very few get past 20. I actually read a stat that if you do, if you make it to 50, you're in the top like 5% in the world. Because everybody expects to launch a podcast, have Tim Ferriss, Joe Rogan type numbers out of the gate. After they don't get that three, four, five, they're out. It's because we think everything's so fast because we've been fooled by social media and a lot of fake crap to believe that success happens quickly. And what we're really not understanding is the success and outcomes we see are the result of things done years and years and years prior. Whether it's developing that skill, like people laugh about speaking, for me, yeah, I've only been a keynote speaker professionally, I'd say since 19, but I spent years working a trade show booth where I'm talking to people all day, mm -hmm. trying to connect with people. I was in groups in college where I'm up on stage talking, directing, leading camps. Like I, had, I was getting reps at stuff. And so it's all of the reps we put in over time and strategically growing them at Malcolm Gladwell 10,000 hour rule they talk about of mastery, but it's really getting those reps over time. And so for someone early in their career, the best advice I can ever give them is to stay curious about the long game. Because if you do that, you're constantly focusing on process over outcome. You're process obsessed and outcome aware. And so every day it's 
what am I doing today to improve? What are my six to eight habits that if I stack every single day, I know I'm going to take care of my numbers at the end of the year. I know if I pick up the phone and make 10 calls every single day, not every call is going to be perfect. But if I can consistently make 10 calls and at the end of each day say, what did I do well? What do I want to do better tomorrow? I'm going to be in an incredible position at the end of the year. We just are so obsessed with the outcome, we forget it's the process that creates it. And, and that's hard, and it's hard when you're younger especially because our ego leads us. I mean, heck, our ego leads us when we're at the executive level. And we start focusing on outcome versus process in that regard too. It's just the same. It's just a different perspective in the organization. But early in the career especially, it's identify yourself or with your manager, your leader, what are the four habits that if you did every single day consistently would create fruitful outcomes? Maybe not every day and not every week will it create the same outcome, but over the 12 months, it'll create incredible outcomes. And then pick three to four personal ones and yeah. do that. And me, it's like, am I making out, how many outbound sales calls do I make a week? Do I write three to 500 words every day? Do I read a chapter of a book every day? Do I, like I have a habit tracker and every day it's just check the box. And it's not pay attention to the outcome. It's like, check the box. Yeah, yeah, that's awesome. What you talked about, two things there, action and consistency. I mean, everything has centered on those yep. two words. And so like when you think about if, if my goal is the big choice I want to make is I want to be a CFO. Yep. Or I want to be an executive at whatever that is, a chief information officer, whatever that case might be. That's the big choice. I've already set my sights there. So then it's the little tiny choices that add up over time that will get you to that seat. It'll yep. get you to that CFO seat. If that's truly what you want, then it's little tiny choices and actions that you're taking. And that's where sitting down with your manager or your leader and saying, hey, help me develop the habits. And then I just need to do those consistently on a day in and day out basis. And I'm sure that you see that all the time, not only in your own career, how it manifested itself, but working with all the other organizations, you probably get that question all the time. Is, is it actions and consistency if we were to boil it down to those two things? I, and I would add curiosity. It's okay. willingness to add, ask questions because the, the curiosity is what eliminates a lot of the ego. Because you, you have to choose. You either look to be perfect and stoke your ego, or you look to be great and you chase excellence. And you can't do the same because our ego tries to protect us from failing, from looking dumb, from all the things in our ear of, oh, if you ask that question, somebody's gonna think you're not that smart. Maybe they're gonna think you're not in the right position. Ego gets in the way in all of that. When you chase excellence, it's just, how do I get better? And so your example of, I wanna be a CFO one day is perfect. Okay, great. Find five CFOs on LinkedIn. Say, hey, I'm this year in my career, one day I have aspirations to be a CFO. What are the three skills that you took you longer to develop or wish you'd developed early in your career? Learn what they are, start to learn them. Find out what their job was right before CFO. Because C-suite executive, hard to get in touch with sometimes. Mm -hmm. But the, the position they had before, that's gonna paint a picture of what do I need to get to in order to get to that step. So it's all reverse engineering at that point, all the way down to talking to your manager and saying, okay, listen, I've done this research. I know if I wanna to get to that spot, these are probably two different roles I need to have over the next five to 10 years. As my manager works with me, what are, what are my blind spots? And what are the skills I can develop? And then if you're in the right culture, that manager is not threatened by you, they are like, great, let me help you. Because that's where we run into other issues, is from a cultural standpoint. If from the top down, we haven't created a culture of curiosity and building and developing our people to essentially replace us, 
Yeah. Everybody operates out of scarcity, and that manager's not gonna set you up for success, and they're not gonna help you. And so you have to do the harder work of kind of going around and learning it yourself, but in great cultures, so you wanna get there? I don't have a timeline for you because obviously that's you moving to my spot and my moving up, but here's what I wish I'd known, here's what I'd do, here's where I'd vest. Then you have great organizations because it's the starting senior quarterback on a football team who sees a stud freshman coming in, and instead of being threatened, they're gonna take the job, great, you're gonna push me and make me practice and be better, but I'm gonna help you so when I leave, you're set for success. Yeah, love that, love that. The other thing that we're talking about here, curiosity, consistency, um, action, but it's also failure. And it's yeah. being okay with failure. I mean, that's that fourth one that, it's, it's the scary word, it's the F word, right? It's failure, not the one y'all are thinking of. Okay, not that <laughs> F word. It's, it's failure. And for a while there, we were doing on Fridays, uh, my team's call, we would do a Fearless Friday. I was afraid to call it, there I am afraid, I was afraid to call it Failure Friday because exactly. I felt like people would be like, oh, failure, started out negative, David. Um, so it was Fearless Friday, but it's trying to go through this normalizing failure because whether you're in what we do or you're in accounting and finance or you're in information technology, like the more you put yourself out there, you're going to fail more. And that causes you to jump back into that yeah. comfort zone. And so you, it's almost that fail faster, right? Just fail faster and you're going to get there. You hear Richard Branson yep. say that all the time. Like I just failed faster than everybody else. Well, and Sarah Blakely, that's what I thought of with your fearless Friday is when she was a kid, her dad at dinner would ask her and her brother, what did you fail at mm. today? And that changed her relationship, which made her great at going door to door sales, which when she started Spanx was huge. But the biggest fears people have in life is fear of failure and fear of what other people will say. And it's more a fear of what other people say about your failure. Yep. And if you think about competition, who's your favorite sports team? Oh man, I, I might, well, Liverpool, that's an easy okay. one. Okay. So I was I, trying to think of an American, it's okay. but it, the it's reality okay. of it is Liverpool they all know hasn't it. gone undefeated in, in franchise club <laughs> history. So, but in sports failure, you lose games. Yeah. Every time you step on the field, it doesn't matter if you're the best team in the country, you're, there's a chance you could lose. And a lot of times you do. And so in football and basketball and baseball and football, there, uh, there is always a chance of failure, yeah. but the only way you can win is getting on the field. And life is kind of that same way. And when you start looking at failure, I say it as like a science experiment. Because if you look at our pursuits and what we do, most of us look at going after a goal, picking up the phone, doing something as a final exam. You either pass, you succeed, or you fail, you bomb the class. And what happens if you bomb the class? I'm a failure, I have to start over, maybe you have to repeat the grade. Like all of this stuff we've been programmed as kids. But if you start looking at it as a science experiment, failure becomes a piece of data. And you say, okay, I'm gonna try this. Does it work, does it not? Well, scientists test something. They have a hypothesis, they test it. If it works, great, I make notes, let's duplicate it. If it doesn't work, what do I do? I write down, okay, here's what I tried, here's what didn't work. What adjustment do I wanna make next time? And that's been the big piece is when you can shift that perception around failure to just a piece of data mm. of, okay, this doesn't, this doesn't work. I understand now there's a gap between where I am and where I wanna go. What can I try to bridge that gap? And that's how I look at any, every call with a client. When I have a, a group reach out about doing a speaking engagement or I've signed it, it's always like, I'm gonna ask questions. I'm gonna get off the phone. Oh, I didn't get that gig. Okay, let's write down like, what did I do well on that call? And then what do I wanna do better next time? And that's a simple exercise. Well, better how? What did I do well after this call, after this day? 
what I want to do better tomorrow or next call, and then how am I going to do better? That's the key. So what is the specific action step I'm going to take to build on that? And when you start to get in that mindset, the stigma of failing yeah. disappears, and you start looking at it as every day I'm getting better. And then at every week, you can really build your confidence because you can look back and say, I took five shots. I went one for five this week, but here's four lessons I pulled from it. Going into next week, maybe I'm going to go two for five and then four for five. And then I'm going to push past five. But we only get there by taking the time to, one, write down what we learned, how we're going to improve on, and shifting that relationship with failure from final exam to just a piece of data in a science experiment. Love that, man. That's awesome. All right, so I'm going to run into into our last question that okay. I want to. I want you to. It's two. So okay, you know, um, two leaders and two climbers. Okay. So leaders of organizations yep. and people working their way up. What is the one to two practical pieces of advice that they could implement in their daily life to achieve the success that they want for themselves? Yeah. So as a, we'll start at the top. So leaders specifically. Um, your organization, the role you're in as a leader is to empower and develop your people. It's to cast the vision and then develop your people for the execution. One of the most important things that's gonna free you from a professional and a personal life is making sure every one of your employees, team members can answer three questions. What is my job and how do I not get fired? Everybody knows this, every company does this. Number two, why does the work I do matter and help the team? This is one a lot of people don't take the time to do. They know what their job is, but they don't know why their job's important. And I liken this to somebody that answers the phone at the front desk. I'm just a receptionist. No, you're a director of first impressions. Because when somebody calls in, you create an immediate relationship with them and how you treat them, how you interact with them already puts a picture in their head of who this company is and what this brand is. You have a much more important job than just a receptionist. So less companies do this. The third that becomes a real game changer is when your leaders have the ability and understand this and you do this for them, is how does my job and the work I do today help me, where I, help me get to where I wanna go? How does what I do today help me where I wanna go in life? Whether that's a CFO, whether it's a completely different industry, whether it's starting my own practice one day, my own company. Because when you can take the time to connect the dots between what you do on a daily basis and where you wanna be 10 to 15 years from now, that person becomes suddenly more motivated. Mm -hmm. It goes back to what we talked about, kind of off air of the empowerment of that younger generation getting people bought in. It's because some of them don't want a corner suite, but they want the freedom to be able to travel the world four weeks a year. So great, let's get you to this point in a career where you have four weeks vacation or you've set aside financial security so you can afford some of those trips. So connecting those dots from a leader, that's a big one. The second thing from a leadership standpoint, is you have to put time in your calendar to take care of you. Because as a leader, you cannot serve others if you have nothing in the tank. And so that means taking care of your body by scheduling two to three days at least a week to go to the gym, early in the morning, late at night. It means spending time with your spouse, your kids, um, and really investing time in your people to get to know them on a level that isn't work. You gotta see your people as people and not payroll. So from a leadership standpoint, if you can empower your team to execute by them knowing what I do, why it's important, and how it helps me where I want to go. And then you can put into your calendar, because commitments are in calendars, otherwise it would be nice to have. You can set aside that time for you. It's going to fulfill and help you stay more refreshed and filled to execute and serve your team and lead your team in a, in a powerful way. If I'm at a climber standpoint, I would be 100% what I tell people is 
play the long game and stay curious. Like from a long game standpoint, don't get caught up in being in a rush to get to that certain position because most people in America are in a rush to get to that promotion, that next job. And what do we see? This is what I'm writing the next book on. Everybody gets promoted for doing a great job in their last position and they're ill-equipped to be a manager or leader because they haven't been trained to be a manager or leader and they haven't done the work for it. They focused on being really good at this first job, not in leading others. And leading others is a whole other skill set than anything you've done prior. And so if you're focused on the long game, all you're looking for is where do I want to go? What are skills that will make me successful at the next level, the level after that, and where else I want to be? And I'm not caught up that my friend at another company already got promoted or got this bonus and they're doing this. And I feel like I'm a failure because I see it on social media because I'm locked into what am I doing right now to get better and play the long game? And then curiosity is go to networking events, build relationships, connect with people on LinkedIn, ask questions everywhere. The more questions you ask, the more you can learn it. And what people don't do is we're scared early in our career to ask questions because we're afraid people will think we don't know what we're doing or we don't know anything. And what I see as a leader is the more we ask questions, the more you tell your leader, your manager, your boss, I want to get better. I want to learn something. Help me to improve. And the more you pepper them with questions, the more like, and I can't, David, I can't stop answering enough questions. Like you've got a ton. Yeah. I want to get better. Teach me everything you know and peppering everybody with questions. And that's what I wish I'd done early um, in my consulting practice is not letting my ego lead as much, but more just be curious and ask as many questions because you'll find you build incredible relationships that way. You learn so much faster that way than anything else. And you also are send, sending indirect signals to people higher up in your organization that this is someone who is hungry to learn, to grow and develop. And it makes you invaluable to an organization. Man, there was so much to unpack right there. We should go for like another 30 minutes. Let's do it. Let's do it. That. No, man, <laughs> listen, I, uh, here's what I love about that. I love the curiosity, but the thing I'm personally going to take away is the fill your tank. Cause if you have people that you need to take care of, whether it's your family, your wife, your kids, your boyfriend, girlfriend, mom, dad, whatever the case may be, and your people, like your tank has got to be, you got to take care of yourself. You yep. can't run yourself ragged and expect to give to other people. And personally, that's something that I'm definitely going to take away. Jake Thompson, we appreciate you so much for your time. Really appreciate the value you brought today. Thank you so much. How can people get in touch with you? Yeah, so easiest way, my website's jakeathompson.com. Uh, CompeteEveryday.com is still there. We still sell t-shirts and gear and go. all that fun stuff. It's, it's getting a rebrand as we speak, as we kind of shift in the new direction or behind me. Uh, but I'm most active on LinkedIn. You'll see me, Jake Thompson. And then Instagram is Jake Thompson Speaks. So connect, say hi. We'd love to finish the conversation if anybody has questions on anything we talked about. Awesome. Thank you so much, Jake Thompson, everybody. Thank you. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, man. Thank you. Appreciate it. That was awesome. That was great. If you're looking for the next step in your career or the missing piece for your team, Unity Search has you covered. Whether it's finance and accounting, tax services, information technology, or human resources, Unity Search is here for you with experienced and dedicated hiring professionals. Reach out today and take the next step. Unity Search, placing you first.